the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Shout out to super producer Max Kiloton Williams. This is part two of a continuing series. I'm Ben, your milk. How is there no, like, MC Kiloton or, like, DJ Kiloton? Surely. Surely there's an MC Must from, there like, be? the 90s or early 2000s. Yeah. Like Kiloton. Probably not from the 80s because, you know, they were genuinely... Living a feared of <laughs> nuclear so war, scared, right. duck and cover, and all of that yeah, good yeah, stuff. Yeah. But do you remember? I mean, isn't that interesting? I, it, it just occurred to me recently. I think I was it, listening to an interview with a writer, I believe, who was on a podcast that I like, and he was talking about how you know distinctly he remembered the Cold War as a kid and like going through drills, like where you'd hide under sure. your desk as if that was going to protect you from a nuclear blast. I had been, yeah, I had been in some of those drills uh, that were still around, you know, because you had the tornado drill where you had to go in the hallway mm-hmm. and get like face down into the baseboards. But the, the nuclear drills felt almost more like propaganda. You know what oh, I mean? 100%. Like this one, if I'm not mistaken, hold on. <laughs> Okay, this is from the 50s, to be fair. Yeah, duck but and this cover. Is, yeah. yeah, but there were more modern versions of this type of thing. hundred you know? percent. It was it was more mental than it was actually going to help you physically. I remember right. in my AP U.S. history class back in uh, high school, we did a like a whole thing about uh, Cold War uh, propaganda, and Duck and Cover was one that we watched. Uh, very in detail. I love these things. And uh, Duck and Cover is the one that's infamous because it has like they're a, a family out on a picnic and the dad puts a newspaper over his head. It's like even something as thin as a newspaper can help protect you. It's like, no, it won't. 
it will, will kill you. You will die. Prevent you from seeing the arrival of your death. Correct. But something that burns so hot and so bright that it can make shadows on a wall permanent is not going to be not going to be stopped by a desk or a newspaper. But it's weird too, Noel, because in an effort to make those things more approachable for children, they made the messages a hundred times more creepy. You know what I mean? Now it's this anthropomorphic cartoon turtle who's telling you, you know, hide from the nuclear weapons. Anyway, people knew they were a threat. Uh, this is part two. Listen to part one of Broken Arrows. In today's episode, we're diving into some more specific cases of lost nukes. The first one that we're going to talk about is the only one that is not lost in some kind of body of water. This one is in the ground, which you would think would make it way easier to find, right? Like you don't need a submarine. Yeah, you would think that. I guess you could just use like, you know, one of those things that beachcombers use, you know, like the, a metal, metal detector, detector, you know, uh, for like a, a, a hobbyist treasure hunter. Surely there's like a large scale version of that, right? Yeah, right. Or at the very least, couldn't you do some kind of radar situation where maybe LIDAR where mm -hmm. you could like, you know, sort of like those things they have on fishing boats where you can kind of see uh -huh. the shape of a thing? Sure. Like There has to be. That's also part of the way they find dinosaur fossils, I believe, these days. Mm -hmm. So what's the deal, Ben? Why was it that the case? Well, let's go to Heather Leah for WRAL.com, who points out it was not one but two nuclear bombs lost in North Carolina because of a crashing military airplane, and they're in a field somewhere near Goldsboro. Let's get some Wayne's World flashback. There it is. There, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so now we're back. It's 1961. The bomber carrying these nukes has a fuel leak, and before it manages to land at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in Goldsboro, the pilot says, all right, we're going to keep flying. We want to try to burn off some gas Hopefully, this will prevent the plane from exploding yeah. if I try this risky landing. In the event of, of, that it doesn't go as expected. And yeah. anytime you're gliding into a landing like that, any number of things could go wrong. So that is uh, standard operating procedure to do that. So he's burning off the gas. Uh, unfortunately, though, the leak gets a lot worse. And so the crew turns around and starts to approach Seymour Johnson. Um, five of these crewmen ejected out of a hatch, you know, one, one by one. And uh, the B-52 could be seen by each of them from, from their parachutes. And it could be seen blowing up, yeah. breaking apart uh, in midair. Uh, and two hydrogen bombs along with it, separated from the plane, falling, falling, falling into the uh, North Carolina fields. And this is swampy land, too, but it's really important for the story. So one of the bombs has a parachute guiding its fall, and it lands intact. The other one slams into the mud, like I said, going hundreds of miles an hour. It is wormed deep into the swamp, and officials aren't able to get all of the pieces of this bomb. Some pieces are still there, uh, according to the story, nearly 200 feet beneath the ground, and only a single switch prevented this bomb from detonating. In our last episode, we talked about megatons. That's a million ton, metric tons of TNT. This bomb was a 2.4 megaton bomb. And, uh, of course, they tried to 
keep it secret, but it got declassified. And if you look at the photos of the scene, it is terrifying. We got to introduce a hero to the story, Noel, Lieutenant Jack Ravel, who was the bomb disposal expert who got the call to try to stop and disarm a nuclear weapon. Right, which I believe involves removing either the, the detonator or the explosive. You have to have someone yelling at you about colors of wires. Okay, got it. Yeah. Right? Or if you're in a Looney Tunes cartoon, just hitting it with a hammer just right on the nose. With a hammer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, obviously, Lieutenant Jack has done all of these. But yeah, you're you're right. The The serious answer you gave is, is correct. He would later say, I'll never forget hearing my sergeant say, Lieutenant, we found the arm safe switch. That's the switch that, you know decides whether or not the bomb can detonate. And he thought, oh, great. Okay, something good happened. And then... <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to mime out what it is. One way, arm blows up. Other way, it doesn't blow up. Yeah. 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 Arm <laughs> I was miming to Noel, and yet Noel gave me the uh, strangest look on his face. Well, it was a strange thing to be doing, Max. Uh, <laughs> so, I didn't so uh, luckily, luckily for everybody, <laughs> luckily... It's well, weird having this no. glass between us. This, this is true. a new, a new and I'm thing. in a weird yeah. place, so I have to turn to see between you guys. Yeah, um, but it, it's immensely fortunate that uh, they were able to find the switch. The lieutenant is thinking, "Great, finally something's going right," but the switch was armed, so it could have blown up. That's a yikes! That's a big yikes. Max, I'm gonna need you to keep your hands to yourself, buddy. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a mega yikes. Uh, another potential whoopsie uh, resulting from an original whoopsie that was already a massive whoopsie. Um, which these are official military terms, by the way. Yes, these are official terms of nuclear nomenclature, engineering jargon, whoopsies. So this could have easily killed tons and tons of people. And we're talking like thousands of folks could have died in the blast. There would have been a radioactive cloud without knowing which direction the wind blew. Uh, we can still say that long-term cancer rates would have skyrocketed in the area over time. Uh, if it hit in Raleigh, it would have taken out Raleigh, Chapel Hill, all the surrounding cities. God. Yeah, because... Indie Rock would have been decimated. Right. These bombs are more powerful than the ones that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm joking, but it's true. Raleigh and Chapel Hill, the research triangle, it's the seat of Merge Records. And uh, also, I believe, well, maybe now Moog, the Moog factory is in Asheville, but uh, there used to have a presence there as well, or at least Moog Fest that I went to once. But uh, also incredible uh, seat of, of academia, which I believe our buddies Will and Mangesh went to Duke University, mm-hmm. which is in that general neck of the woods. I spent some time at Duke as well. It's pretty... Pretty cool place, and I'm glad it's still around. Yeah, glad it didn't get decimated by an accidental atomic whoopsie, which I know is redundant to say an accidental whoopsie. But but, but now you can go see evidence of this. There is a sign marker in Eureka, North Carolina, three miles away from the site of the nuclear mishap. The only evidence of this brush with disaster is a small patch of trees, some weird colored dirt in a field. Those are the only reminders of that fateful night. And this, of course, is just one example. 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. We have another example of a nuclear weapon falling off an aircraft carrier and t- pulling a Kaiser Soze, totally disappearing. It might be out there right now. It might be. <laughs> now I'm picturing it like a, living a weird secret life, yes, you know, wearing yeah, a Hawaiian like a, shirt, like smoking a, a cigar. Olden, mm-hmm. uh, Tilda Swinton. I love this. And you just, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter kind you, of, you know. You find beach. out that your best friend is a nuclear bomb yeah. disguised as a person. Like, how, how do you proceed? You were at my daughter's wedding. I'll tell you how you proceed, with caution. Yes, with That's caution. Uh, yeah, so oopsie off the back of, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to stop saying that and make no apologies for it. Off the back of an aircraft carrier. How's that even happen? You know, you get in situations. Somebody had a little slipperoo and their hand grazed the deploy nuke switch. Yeah. Let's go to Mario Alvaro Limos for Esquire magazine. He says, No one knows where this bomb is. It's somewhere at the bottom in the Philippine Sea. In December 1965, that aircraft carrier you mentioned, the USS Ticonderoga, left the Subic Naval Base. This was, at the time, the largest overseas military base in the world for the U.S. And the Ticonderoga sailed to the Philippine Sea. It participated in a naval exercise, so a war game, basically. And... During the exercise, uh, the Navy aboard the Ticonderoga tried to move one of their fighter aircraft. And these carriers, the fact that they can launch planes is amazing, but also the space is like crazy tight. It's always interesting. And you know, in a movie, if someone like a scientist or whatever gets picked up by an aircraft carrier and they're like the only one in there, you know, shit is serious. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. And the the aircraft they're trying to move is what's called a Douglas A4E Skyhawk. It's being piloted by a guy named Lieutenant Douglas M. Webster. No relation to Douglas the Skyhawk. Uh, Or the fir, the tree. Or the fir, yes. Uh, No relation to Douglas fir. Now, while they're moving this aircraft out of the hangar bay, it rolls over the side of the carrier. 
and it rolls over with the pilot still in it. The plane falls into the sea along with its payload, a B-43 nuclear bomb. It's tragic to report that the pilot, the plane, and the bomb, all three, were lost and never recovered to this day. They're somewhere 4,900 meters at the bottom of the ocean. Pretty wild. So that's, that is uh, Titanic-level depths, correct? It's, yeah, it's way deeper than the other stuff we're talking about. And th- this is something, a point you brought up in episode one, man. This is not a big, big story. The U.S., like a carrier is a small city, right. but it's a small city where every resident is directly controlled by the U.S. government. Totally. Yeah. So they and can it happened in this. isolation or at yeah. least far enough out in the middle of nowhere that it wasn't like there were any looky-loos. You know? Right, right. And so Uncle Sam was able to keep this a secret from the rest of the world until 1989. And the accident was nicknamed Broken Arrow Incident of 1965. It's really creative, Dave. It's super creative. (laughs) For decades, uh, they were obviously working on that name. Totally. We're we're workshopping it, you know. Yeah, we're... Uh, I gotta say, though, I do... Focus groups. Oh, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Filling out comment cards. I do love the the name Ticonderoga. There's a really good restaurant I knew you were gonna say it. I was thinking about it. Drinks kind of club, they call it. I haven't been, but I've heard it's really good. It's great, And I love the name. It's, It's very Western sounding, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Old Ticonderoga. Just to bring back Fallout again, that is uh, one of the main railroad hideouts in Fallout 4 where you meet High Rise. And unfortunately, does not end well for all of them there. But, you know, I want to force in as many Fallout 4 references as I can. There's a fort, I believe, the first defensive victory for American forces in the Revolutionary War. Right. So there you go. And the, and the Fallout thing, and the restaurant, and the aircraft carrier of note in this particular tale. Guys, I can't hear you over my excitement of looking looking back at the uh, Ticonderoga menu. Yeah, oh, I gotta go. They're can't good, wait. man. They yeah, got yeah, sweet yeah. breads. Speaking of which, did you hear that we're getting a Michelin guide here in Atlanta? Yeah, I know uh, Michael uh, Michael Jordan, the guy, one of the food uh, writers. Here. Oh, okay, yeah. I just saw it, it came out in Eater or whatever. He but. went to, uh, I think he went to our live panel with the Lava for Good guys. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I didn't think I met him, but I did not realize, Ben, that the Michelin system is city by city. Yeah. It's not, I, I've always wondered, how come we don't have any Michelin star restaurants in Atlanta? Who's because on the list? we were not part of the system, and now Atlanta has been deemed by the weird Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man guy to, to be worthy of Michelin stars. Great food city, Atlanta. You know? Which, if you want to learn more about that, check out our episode on the Michelin Man. That's yes, right, that's which right. also goes into why the hell is this weird <laughs> cartoon tire guy responsible for bestowing <laughs> the crown jewels of restaurant accolades. Why is this tire mascot an unhinged alcoholic Mm -hmm. who clearly drives drunk? Yeah, and has weird fingers and smokes cigars at one point. Has a pince-nez. Anyway, so the Ticonderoga, awesome name. Um, And you really should try the restaurant. It's great, man, when you guys get a chance. Mm -hmm. And uh, the secret does eventually come out. And Japan, remember, they were participating in this training exercise. They launch a diplomatic inquiry into the incident. And they're saying, hey, we should know if there's a nuclear weapon in the ocean near us. The carrier had been present in Japanese waters when this mishap occurred. And Japan does not allow nuclear weapons in its territory at all, full stop. And this is very sensitive. Remember, it's 1965. 
it's just a couple decades after America dropped two nuclear bombs on Japan. So they're feeling like the U.S. misled them, which is totally true and valid, and they're feeling like they can't trust these people who are supposed to be their allies now. So this had huge geopolitical implications. Uh, the nuclear bomb, the B-43, that fell into the sea was 43 times more powerful than the one dropped on Hiroshima. And the military denied that there would be any lasting environmental impact due to this. You could just put it there and they're like, hey, don't worry, it's a lot of water. Okay, now we're going to take this nuke party. Is that a thing? It is now. Can you have a nuke? Would that be, that'd be kind of fun? Yeah, have like a, a retro futurist thing. Yeah. yeah, you've got uh, biohazard suits, maybe. you got the little uh, nuclear symbols. Perhaps a centerpiece in the shape of a warhead. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And the snacks alone are all pun-based. They you would know? be, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, uh, oh, let me, let me, like plutonium popcorn, you know. Well, what's a good play on crudite, even though I really don't like crudite? crudite. Uh, I just think there'd have to be one. Um, Chromium. Crude a boom. No, no that's, that's not good, Max. <laughs> Crude TNT. That's not good, Max. Uh, uh, we'll workshop this we'll for a that. while, but this could be a fun theme party. But sure, yeah, sure. we're going to take this uh, this nuclear themed cocktail party to, as promised in episode one, I believe, Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia, uh, which is right in our neck of the woods. Beautiful uh, coastal spot uh, here in our mainly landlocked uh, state. Um, really, really, really lovely place to visit. Great food city as well. Uh, and the site of a broken arrow incident on the lovely Tybee Island, literally referred to here as the Tybee Island broken arrow site. That is amazingly creative. It really is. You it know, really is. I wonder how long they spent on that one, you know. Uh, so, okay. 12 foot long thermonuclear bomb. This is a true story. Uh, and we all if you live in this area, you hear some version of this inevitably growing up. Uh, there was an accident in 1958 that resulted in the bomb being not accidentally, but intentionally jettisoned from a B-47 bomber in the wee hours sometime after midnight, uh, right after they had crashed in midair against an F-86 fighter jet. A lot of, you know what, a disturbing amount of planes running into each other. Yeah. I, I feel like, now we're not pilots, no. of course. Not we're also yet. not air traffic controllers. We're not ATC. Uh, so I, I think like a lot of landlubbers, we make the assumption that there's so much sky out there and planes are so small in comparison that they could just sort of whiz by each other. Yeah, but I mean, the visibility is an issue, obviously. Sure. And anyway, again, don't know enough information about this right. world to even conjecture, but Turns out more common than you'd think. Uh, but have you happened to uh, catch the recent or ongoing Apple TV show Hijack? I haven't watched it. It's very good. Mm. Uh, it reminds me of those like 2000s kind of ABC, NBC, the ticking clock kind of action shows like 24 and things like that. Yeah. But it's Idris Elba and it's a commercial flight from Dubai uh, to, I believe, London is hijacked. And it's it's a scenario you've seen a million times, but they do it really, really cleverly. And at one point, which I believe is, is pr practice procedure for this, if there is an unresponsive plane, you get 
some attention from uh, oh, fighter yeah. jets. I see. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. Given the potential for that plane to be mm. in the commission of a terrorist act. Um, so that was, that's a very, not, not, not spoiler. I won't go into what happens at all. Uh, but it's, a, I didn't really think about that. And it does make sense. You got to have the comms. And also, unrelated to anything, I just want to point this out. Um, this is credit where it's due. These new studios are great. There's a guy right outside. He's operating a leaf blower. Max, a leaf blower. Holy cow. And yeah, yeah, you can see him. uh, I I wouldn't, you know what? I wouldn't wouldn't have known. known. Wouldn't have known. There is, there is. Uh, So, And Ben, we all know how much you love leaf blowers. I do. I love them so much. How much of your life you've spent trying to record a podcast with someone blowing leaves outside your window. To the point where he wrote a hit piece on leaf blowers. Yeah. but um, Check that episode out. Yeah, uh, you can check that out. You can also uh, check out what, uh, Noel, what you're talking about with the importance of communication amid aircraft, civilian, commercial, and, of course, military. The B-47, again, feels like tale as old as time in this series. It's on a simulated combat mission flying out of Homestead Air Force Base in Florida, and when it gets to Savannah... It's like 3.30 a.m. They hit an F-86, and three times the B-47 tries to land at Hunter Air Force Base in Georgia with that nuclear weapon on board, but the the aircraft has just been walloped. And this is weird. They couldn't slow down enough to land safely. So, uh, game time decision, you know, do we uh, get rid of this weapon, you know, rather than potentially exposing Hunter Air Force Base to this high explosive detonation, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very um, tense and, and last minute call. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a call you have to make because you don't want to risk innocent lives there. And so, the... The weapon gets jettisoned a few miles from the mouth of the Savannah River in Wausau Sound on Tybee Beach. Nobody knows exactly where it hit the water. Um, We know it was dropped from a pretty high altitude, 7,200 feet. No detonation occurred. The B-47 did land safely, and the search for the thing began, a search that remains unsuccessful even now in 2023. They searched three square miles. Um, I can only imagine they used Bayesian inference. Which One would hope. We're going to name drop that constantly. I'm going to do that all the time. It definitely makes us sound like smarty pants. Or frauds. Either way. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, potato, potato. Yeah, it just... <laughs> It's going to be hilarious when we run into someone who has studied it or understands it. Yeah, I mean, even the the, the description that I read off of wiki whatever, I completely can't wrap my head around. <laughs> so, so they search for this, and regardless of what methods they use, they come up with bupkis. And by April 16th, 1958, get this, they give up. They just so say, easy. They just say, well, you know, Savannah's fine. Seems that way. <laughs> Let's just leave well enough alone. What right. do you say? Yeah. Let's go get some escargot at the pirate's house. Let's get some escargot. Let's go dance in the uh, weeping willows with the Spanish moss. Sure, yeah. Let's go watch Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. 
Mm-hmm. And other Savannah references. Let's yeah. Let's go to the weird. Uh, let's go to some of the weird history museums. There's a few. There yeah, are. A few. It's it's a very historic, beautiful city. Great brunch uh, places. Great, real brunch city. Oh my god! Uh, and thankfully, one that has not yet been wiped off the map by this uh, buried nuke. Yes. Yeah. So go get those eggs, Benedict. Uh, gather ye eggs, Benedict, while ye may. Uh, so okay. People have been searching for this for a while. It's 1998. There's a retired military officer and his partner who decide they are going to discover this bomb. They're going to find it for the guts, for the glory, right? Uh, And they interview the pilot who originally jettisoned it. They interviewed all the people they could find who searched for the bomb decades ago. And they said, all right, it's got to be somewhere in Wasaw Sound. And for years... They just went back and forth by via boat. They had a Geiger counter behind them, hoping they could find. T- <gasps> there it is. Oh no! Oh. You guys hear that? It's the leaf blower. Just we a spoke little too bit. Soon. We spoke too soon. Max is saying just a little bit. Just a little bit. But uh, but anyway, so they their thought is pretty solid. They say, okay, if we detect a spike in radiation from the Geiger counter on the boat, that will help us find what we're looking for. And one day, they find it. In the spot the pilot had described, there's a patch with radiation 10 times the level of anywhere else. Makes that clicky-clicky sound, right? Mm -hmm. The clickety-clackety, right, of the witch. I just rewatched the the witch. Oh, excellent, excellent picture. Do you think those twins were witches? Well, they were at the very least under the sway of the witch of in Black some Phillip. degree. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So at this point, the government intervenes uh, and sends out a crack team of investigators to to check out the scene. But unfortunately, they didn't find the nuclear weapon. It turns out that this was as a re- this clickety clackety they were talking about was as a result of naturally occurring radiation from seabed minerals. That's weird. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't. That's a real twist. Makes you reconsider swimming. It sure does. <laughs> like, what if you just end up over a pocket of of, of radioactive seabed minerals? Random, yeah, radiation emitting minerals. So. It's, that's a heck of a red herring, and that's that's a real uh, that's a real bummer. There have been more and more official attempts to locate this. Most recently in two thousand and four, again, as we said at the top, none have succeeded. The Air Force believes that, thankfully, the nuclear capsule, the part that makes it a nuclear bomb, was not in this device when it was lost. But no one's really sure. So right now, when you go get brunch in Savannah, look out across the water and think about the (laughs) 7,600-pound Mark 15 bomb just waiting there, Cthulhu-like, in the deep. Indeed. Uh, It slumbers. It slumbers, yes. And with uh, strange eons, even death may die. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home financing provided by victory mortgage llc nmls 461249 equal housing lender and so before we end today's episode we want to note again the broken arrow cases we know about are probably there's probably way a fraction. more. Yeah, a fraction. I mean, seriously, again, because we know how how close the government likes to play their whoopsies to the vest. Mm-hmm. And it is only when their hand is forced uh, because of deep classification that they release any information. And even then, it's usually highly redacted. So hey, ha- I, surprising that we know what we know. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Also, we don't know uh, for sure about even U.S. allies, like other countries, also play this close to the chest. What about France? What about the United Kingdom? Uh, Not to mention things that are not part of Five Eyes, like what about the Soviet Union? How many did they lose? What about uh, the PRC of China? We don't know much about them. We don't have a full accounting. We know that the biggest mystery there is going to be the Soviet Union's nuclear past. They had a stockpile of 45,000 nuclear weapons as of 1986. And we know that there are cases where the Soviet Union lost nukes that it has yet to retrieve. But unlike with the U.S. incidents, the ones we know about occurred in submarines, which makes it way trickier to figure out what happened to them. And then also because the ocean's a dynamic environment, these subs can drift after they disappear. In 1968, a Soviet K-129 sank in the Pacific Ocean, just northwest of Hawaii, with three nuclear missiles. And they there's a whole other story here. I think it's its own episode. Absolutely. Yeah, because this, um, they said, we're going to try to retrieve this in secret. And they contact Howard Hughes like billionaire Tony Starkish Howard Hughes before he goes full crazy. And they say, you need to pretend to be interested in deep sea mining. And it's also, I think we talked about this on Stuff They Want You to Know. I think that's right. It's, yeah. Gosh, uh, the old <laughs> brain cloud is uh, starting to set in at the end of the day here, mm-hmm. but it does ring a bell. And I think we should, you know what, Noel, this is such a strange story. I think we're going to save this one and maybe explore it in the future. And let's ring the bell on the episode. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, 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 u
Remain indoors. Remain indoors. Grab your newspaper and cover your head. Yeah, Welcome to the quiz it. broadcast. You know, it's funny. Just just, just one last little thing. I, I was yeah. looking up duck and cover because I sort of misspoke, I think, conflating. I mean, the 80s, you know, obviously there was a period during the Cold War where nuclear attack was definitely still top of mind for a lot of people. For but sure. Duck and Cover, the original propaganda video we're talking about with Yertle the Turtle or whatever was from the 50s. But I found an article saying how the intent and the actual result of a lot of those videos was just to have people remain indoors, to shelter in place, you know, uh, yeah. and, and that you could actually just by not going outside ultimately save a lot of lives. You could, yeah. And also, uh, did you clock what I was referring to. I said, welcome to the quiz broadcast, Remain Indoors. Well, Remain Indoors is this from uh, Mitchell and West. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. quiz broadcast is, oh, it's so amazing. It's really, really great. They are, they're always referring to the event. Yes. Yeah. Don't yeah. think about the event. Exactly. And uh, they're always trying to guess at uh, remnants of human civilization. I want to rewatch that. But for now, uh, I think we're going to roll out some thank yous, a cavalcade of thank yous to super producer Max Kiliton Williams, also our uh, research associate for this series. Uh, who else, Noel? Who else? Uh, the J Man, old Chrome Dome himself. Our, our, Jesus? Our, our broken arrow. Oh, he had longer hair. Yeah, our broken arrow. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. the Quister. Wait, did we say his name? I three? think you said the whole thing while looking into a mirror because technically this glass here is a mirror. Uh, and I believe you just spun around in your seat in reverse <laughs> a few times. <laughs> right. So uh, what does it mean, Ben? What does it mean? Well, it means we need to wrap up this outro quick, fast, and in a hurry, or else. <laughs> oh, it's time, Jonathan, gentlemen. Jonathan Strickland, <laughs> a.k.a. the Quister. How could this happen? How, How could this happen? Uh, it's like it's like that thing. You ever read The Mangler? By Stephen King, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. you know how that, that the, the the laundry machine mm -hmm. becomes possessed because somebody mm -hmm. accidentally spills their Jello into and it, hemlock, and, and hemlock, and, and it's just this exact perfect storm of oopsies. Sorry, that's what we've been talking about today. I'm not going to stop using that term. <laughs> this yeah, is what yeah, happened with you. Yeah. We looked into the mirror. We said your name three times or something, and then Ben spun around his chair backwards, and here you are. Yeah, look, me and uh, Bloody Mary and Candyman been waiting. We've been snacking, waiting, and uh, it's been been a real good time. How uh, are are they? They're good. Uh, we're all we've all been at Pont City Market. No one told us that you moved, and uh, that oh. fourth floor is really. There's a different group there. They are not as much fun. Mm. Yeah, that was by design, man. Mm. Uh, yeah, I but see. you've outwitted us <laughs> and found our new office clearly with no help from anyone. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, it took me a long time to walk here. It is not convenient. <laughs> right. I mean, those Heelys really helped you. They yeah. did, yes. Yeah, you, you, see, you, see, yeah. you see him scoot. I guess, yeah. I'll yeah. say this, that ever since DeKalb Avenue, they've repaved it and they got rid of that, that uh, reversible lane. lane. Yeah, yeah, that's really helped out quite a bit. Like, it, <laughs> it really is smoothed out. But I can just take that all the way up to Marietta Street. You've got yeah. to tell us, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, sure. Longtime listeners mm -hmm. will know that this is what you've <laughs> described as the uh, most cringeworthy segment in podcasting. That's your description. It is, in fact, uh, my description. What is the Quister? What is what is this thing that's happening? It's been like, how long has it been, Noel? I mean, 
possibly a year. Possibly more than a, a year-ish. I think so. And that's, again, yeah, I mean, he just didn't know where to find us. I thought we were free. Well, we mentioned you every episode, though. We we do. Part of me, I think part of both of us missed you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I missed you guys so much. Like the way you miss a tumor. Yeah, sort of, yeah. Or, you know, you, you miss when you, when you have a tooth knocked out. And you can't help but put your tongue in the root and just root around, even though it kind of hurts, too. You sort of still have to do it. Or like when you're trying to shoot someone and you miss. I have missed you several times. (laughs) (laughs) Or like when you talk to a reporter and you explain that your whole tactic is to hold out until October when all the writers are no longer able to pay mortgages and rent. And then you can force them to come back to your own terms like that. Kind of like that. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Because there are some levels of villainy that uh, even you, the quizster, would not see. Yeah, that's low, man. That's That's pretty low. low. Yeah, so this segment, (laughs) I guess to finally get around to answering your question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is when I, the quizster, Jonathan Strickland, appear and quiz the two of you upon something possibly tangentially related to the episode topic at hand. No promises. And and I give you three scenarios. Oh, boy. That (laughs) gave me goosebumps. Like riding a bike. Two of which are real and one which I made up season. It is your duty to find the one I made up. And um, and I decided since you were talking about arrows, what had been broken and nuclear packages, what had been misplaced, that I would go with sort of a, a precursor. What what used to be considered one of the big weapons of the military age far before nuclear age, and that would be ships. Ships. So the three scenarios that you'll be presented are all about ships what sunk. So uh, I will read out the scenarios, and then at the end I will give you the arbitrary rule I use where you can ask me a question, uh, but you have to follow the arbitrary rule before before I'll accept it. All right, so here we go. Here are the scenarios. Come hear the sad tale of the Jumpin' Java an ill-fated ship originally belonging to the Cunard line. The Jumpin' Java reportedly got its name for the way the ship responded to particularly choppy seas, and it did not enjoy a positive reputation. But that reputation absolutely sunk when the Java did as well. In 1895, while on a voyage from San Francisco to New York... Of course, by then, it was called the Lord Spencer of J. Heron and Company, having undergone multiple name changes over the years. Scenario 2. Listen unto me! The Morning Star was a ship originally launched by the British at Calcutta in 1813, but her tenure was not long. She sadly met her end in 1814, wrecking off the coast of Queensland. Later, another ship called the Eliza found five survivors marooned on... Wait for it. Booby Island. <laughs> and get this. <laughs> but the booby's like, a, it's a bird, right? It was, yeah, yes, okay. yes, yes. They Don't ex- ruin this, guys. Something foot. Don't ruin this yeah. for me. <laughs> they explained that their captain, whose name I am not kidding, was Robert Smart. 
had left earlier in a longboat with some men to row to Timor, only they never made it. So out of the crew of more than 30, only five are known to have survived the Morning Star's 1814 voyage. Hmm. Scenario three. Hark! And hear the sad tale <laughs> of the Campania. No, hark, not hark. Hark! And here, the sad tale of the Campania, a ship that took inspiration from luxury liners such as the Titanic, but before she was to be fitted for luxury, she had a more morbid purpose. The ship's maiden voyage was to transport soldiers' remains post-World War I from Turkey after the Brits had failed to invade Gallipoli. She would never get the chance to serve as a true luxury liner as the ship hit wreckage off the coast of Southampton and sunk. All hands aboard were accounted for as survivors, and yet the dead outnumbered the living. Of course, that had been true since they had left port. Oh, come Oh, come on. And now... <laughs> that seems like a real potential for a ghost ship it kind does, of story. It is a pretty great, good, isn't uh, it? It is a great so, pitch. Yes. So the... the, the, the arbitrary rule this time, if uh-huh. you do wish to ask me a question while you're deliberating, is that you must, quote, some sea shanty beforehand. You don't have to sing it, but you do have to quote it. We got this. What was the one? Oh, we got shoot. this. Wellerman. We got Wellerman. Soon may the Wellerman come yeah, to bring yeah, us yeah. sugar and tea. Sugar and tea. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. we have three minutes? Is that how it That's goes? That's usually how it goes. I okay. don't remember. It's been a long time. All right, so we're gonna, we're, we thankfully have got the uh, grandfather clock. They brought it over. Yeah. At great expense. Which is true because it's like 90% of our budget every mm, year. No. Just the maintenance. So we're gonna run over here and start this and... Go! Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I think I know which one it is. I think I know which one it is, too. I think it's two. Oh, you think two is not true? I think two is... Oh, wait. I think two is true. Oh, we're supposed to find the fake one? Yeah, someone was just completely zoning out when I was spinning all the Oh, I was listening. I was soaking it in. Can you do the singing thing for me? I don't remember how it goes. Oh, yeah. Um... Soon may the Wellerman come to, to bring, bring us sugar and tea and rum. Yes, uh, Mr. Newell. Uh, do you realize how badly you done played yourself? How's that? The Quizster? The Jumpin' Java? Yeah. Are you kidding? That's a c- coffee house. It, it is, in fact, a coffee house. You know, sometimes names come from other things. <laughs> like sometimes someone takes a name and then they'll reuse that name. Names come from allow other me to, things. Allow me to introduce you to the concept of the British monarchy. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, gosh. Your snark is making me question, my, <laughs> yeah. question myself. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe that is the wrong one. Is that the one you want to It guess? was way easier to miss you when you were gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, how can I miss you if you never leave? <laughs> so, okay, um... <laughs> you can do any sea shanty. It doesn't just the only one we know. Okay, so uh, Mr. Bolin, I just want to do a different part of the song. Uh-huh. Yes, so um, in scenario three, yes, scenario three, the Campania, the U.S. fails to uh, conquer, like fails in the conflict with Turkey. Well, it was really the UK. It was the, the UK. Brits. The okay. Brits attempted to invade the uh, the uh, Gallipoli, the, the peninsula of Gallipoli uh, in Turkey, to get a, a area of operations. But the Turks were able to repel them at great cost because they were beefed with the Ottomans. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it was more that it was just trying to find another way to 
perhaps lessen the incredible pressure of the Western Front where right. things were not going well. I don't know if you know about World War One, but Western Front was pretty rough. Hey, man, I don't like your attitude. You can't talk to Ben like that. Wait, I'm there, sorry. What, what, there are numbers <laughs> to world wars? Well, not at the time. They called it the Great War. They weren't so pessimistic as to call it World War One while it was happening. I'm learning so much. What is a war? <laughs> really? You don't know what a war is? I have no clue. I don't even Sweet speak English. Sweet child. Why, why, are you, why are you doing this? <laughs> You're just wasting time now. That's true. We've That's only got I mean, I'm seconds. happy to do it. A war Listen. is when, when, a, when a mommy nation and a daddy nation really hate each other. I see. Okay. Ben, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I yeah, feel yeah, put pretty good. I feel pretty good. You feel confident? I, I, yeah, jump in Java. Give me a break. You think it's one? Yeah. All right, I got your back. Let's That's lock a very, it in. The idea of a jump in coffee mm. bean is so corny and hokey. I do not believe that it is a construction of the past that was then repurposed by coffee shops. All right. Well, we're at time. Wow. So uh, that's the weirdest the grandfather clock changed. I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's very expensive. It's a custom job. It's not your grandfather's clock. I'll um, tell you that for sure. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll maybe have Max put in a, a more prestigious sounding grandfather clock. Uh, Noel, I've got your back. Let's lock it in three, two, one. Scenario one we're going with. It feels so good to be back on top. Son of what? A Scenario one is true. It was the, the jump Java. in Java. It was officially named the Java, but pa passengers referred to it as the jump in Java. Jump there, was also, there was also there was also stylized. The Jump in Java. In fact, yes, it's what it was called. And then it was for a while the SS Zealand. It moved to the Red Star Line, not the White Star Line, yeah. the Red Star Line. And then it was known as the Electric before hmm. finally becoming Lord Spencer. Was it Scenario 3 that was untrue? Scenario 3 is taken from a Japanese anime and it absolutely it. is not I true. It. I knew it. <laughs> I am so sorry. I feel like an absolute fool. No, I, man, just, I was so fun. confident about it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm going to go ahead and cop to something. I Googled Jumpin' Java. <laughs> and all I got was coffee shop results. I mean, this is why. This is what, but if you, if you typed it? in Java 1865, you would find the well, ship I'm referring I, to. I, I wouldn't have done that. That would have been a bridge too far. Yeah, you, I, think it's, I think it's worth it, though, because we got that awesome line from the Quister, which is sometimes names come from other things, <laughs> which was just peak snark. I mean, it really is. It's it, it as if every name out there has only been used the one at one time only. Uh, uh, so, you know what this means, Noel? Uh, you see where I'm coming from, though, guys. Yeah, like, I, I mean, these, these, these goofy coffee shop names, like the sure. sentient bean, mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, what I mean? Or mm -hmm, like the, mm -hmm. like, I literally saw one that was called Cafe Campesino. A million percent. I mean, that I'm Jittery look, Joe's. Frankly, mm -hmm. Quizster, uh, it was a stroke of brilliance because thank, you thank really, you. that was a very good <sighs> red herring. Thank you. Mugshot is a great name for a coffee place. That's a fantastic name. Because <laughs> you can get it in a mug or as a shot. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah. uh, so with that, uh, gentlemen, Max, you're part of this decision as well. I propose to you guys that we start a new chapter yes. in in the Quister beef and we start, we re You wipe reset the slate the score. clean mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So you're ahead. Yeah, one one not. I think uh, I think without that, I would have been maybe two or perhaps even three behind. Even I think with that's the right. wind. I, I thought we right. were going to propose since we're talking about lost nukes, like losing Jonathan in the bottom of a Mediterranean Sea or something like I that. I feel like legally that counts as either hate speech or a threat. Yeah. Also, what do you think of the name Chrome Dome? Uh, 
I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, it's I'll respond to it because honestly, <laughs> people would call you that. That seems very offensive. As long as I get attention, really. I, <laughs> whatever true, it takes. True story. Once I was at a grocery store and a little boy turned to his mother and said, that man has no hair and pointed at me. And she was mortified. And I said, trust me, this is not how I learned. <laughs> That's fair. No. That's fair. Wow. Plus, we live in Atlanta where... Um, I always try to explain this to people who are not from this country or this this part of this country, um, especially if you're from a place like Scandinavia where small talk is not really a thing. You know, I always have to make it clear to my friends like, hey, when you come to this city, strangers are going to talk to you as though they're vaguely related to you. Everybody kind of is going to treat you like a, a first or second cousin. We take that for granted, I think, living here. And also, but, you know, I think you and I are the three of us, the four of us are in other cities and other parts of the universe enough to see places where that is just not the case at all. People don't no. even make eye contact. But here you'll have, you'll, you'll be walking down like our old alma mater of Ponce de Leon or something. And someone might be, this happened to me. This is a true story. I was walking home from work in our old office one day and a person I've never seen before or since was like, Kubrick, Kubrick. Like Stanley? Kubrick. Kubrick. And so I finally, I turned and he was like, yeah, that's a nice fit, man. You look like a director. Full Metal Jacket was good. <laughs> it's like, and yeah. I, I, I think it's just because I had a cardigan. Okay. So was really Kubrick wanna... known for his cardigan no, game? No, it doesn't make so. any sense. He did, yeah, and that's just the kind of city we live in. So hopefully, I, I say all that to say, hopefully, Jonathan, that kid was not trying to be offensive. Not at all. He was just surprised. And I, again, it didn't, <laughs> didn't bother me at all. It was an observation that happens to be true. I don't base my identity off my follicular deficiencies. There we go. Um, well, we do. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, just kidding. That's fair, considering how I just trounced you. Through, All dude. right. That's the spirit. So now that now we are officially uh, what we've we've turned the tables. Noel, we're going to have to summon the quizster again. So we because uh, you know what, bro, this injustice will not stand. No question about it. I'm ready to uh, bring our A game. Uh, and it does seem like now, since the Quister knows where our physical location is, that this might be happening a little more frequently. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm brace be, yourselves, I'm, listeners. I'm going to be realistic and say, like, let's aim for a B-plus game, and maybe we'll impress ourselves. That's fine. Uh, listen, there's like a Fox Brothers right next door, so I, I am cool coming in as often as I need to. <laughs> great. They got great smoked chicken wings. I don't know if you know, but man... Fox Brothers is great. Yeah. They are, yeah. We've been talking a lot about restaurants this week. Well, I am trying to narrowcast the show. Did you not know that? I am <laughs> narrowcasting as hard as I can so that only people, not just in Atlanta, but a very specific wedge sure. of Atlanta sure, will sure. get the references. Well, uh, I'm actually going to have a little date night with my lady tonight, so I'm going to maybe try something new. Um, but uh, thank you. You're welcome. John, yeah, uh, no, the, the Quister. Yeah. Ben, thank you. Thank you, Noel. For, for this nuclear uh, fantastic voyage that we've uh, taken together. And also with you, Max Williams. Uh, thanks, of course, I think we said it earlier, to Alex Williams. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. That's the week for us. We hope you have a great weekend, and uh, we can't wait for you to join us next week when we put some animals on trial. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.